Hi, and welcome to Pursue Wisdom, the teaching podcast of Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. I'm Paul Steele, and I'm the pastor at Bethlehem Church. What you're about to listen to is the sermon I gave on Easter Sunday, April 4th, 2021. We've been going through the story, uh, which is an abridged version of the Bible, designed to help us understand what the Bible is about, the major themes, what it tells us about God, about ourselves and our place within God's kingdom. Chapter 27 of the story is the resurrection. And my message comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34, the account of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and their encounter with Jesus. And we talk about how we move from discouragement to hope. So as you listen to this message, my prayer is that you will find hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Thanks for listening and God bless. Our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 34 and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. That same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. He was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By the time they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with with us on the road and explained scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The 
The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. We have been going through the story, and we are at chapter 27, the resurrection. This is the central truth of Christianity. Love is the central command. We are to love God with all of our being, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is the central command of Christianity, the central truth, the foundation of it all is the resurrection of Jesus, and that is what we've come to talk about and to celebrate today. And so our scripture is going to be found in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34. And remember, we've been going through the story and we've been using the story for two reasons. First, we've, we want to understand what the, what the major themes of the Bible are, are about. What is the Bible trying to tell us? What is it revealing to us about God, about his purpose, about his character, about his will? And what does it reveal about human beings, about who we are and our place within this world, within God's kingdom. And the second reason we've been using the story is to develop in our lives the habit, the discipline of regularly reading our Bibles. We believe that the Bible is God's word. And as God's word, it's his gift to his people. And if we're going to be good stewards of that gift, then we need to read it, we need to study it, we need to discuss it. It needs to be part of our lives as we apply it to the way that we live, to the choices that we make. And so here we are talking about the resurrection of Jesus. You know, there is nothing like that last second victory. That last second victory. When I was in high school, sophomore in high school, our JV basketball team was bad. In fact, we hadn't won a single game in the two years I've been, I'd been on junior varsity. We'd lost every single game. And it was the last game of the season, my sophomore year. We're playing Remsen Union at home. And we are down by, uh, we are down by four with 30 seconds left. And our, our team is able to get a three-pointer. So with like 15 seconds remaining, we're down by one. And as the other team goes, as Remsen Union goes to inbound the ball, I just lay, lay back a little bit. I, play, I, I do a little bit of a Larry Bird. I kind of slough off. And as they go to inbound that ball, I steal it and make the basket to put ourselves, our team up by one. And we, we, they go down, miss, we get the rebound, get fouled, and, and, and the kid makes one of the two free throws, and we go on to win by two points. And nothing like a last second victory. When you snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. It's a wonderful feeling. 
And when we come to the Bible, it seems like that is almost God's MO, where things are so bad and you cry out to God and God comes through. See, God comes through at just the right time. We see that with Abraham and Isaac, right? God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And they make the three-day journey to Mount Moriah. They build the altar. They get the wood on the, on the altar. They, Abraham ties up his son Isaac. He's on the altar. He has the knife ready to kill him. And God cries out, no, stop. Stop. There is this ram in the, in the, in the bushes to be used for a sacrifice. We see it with Jacob and Joseph right? That Joseph is Jacob's favorite son, and his brothers have, have it out for him. And they, they sell him into slavery. They tell Jacob that he's dead, and Joseph goes into slavery in Egypt, and it seems like all is lost. Yet through a series of events, Joseph gets into second place in, in the kingdom of Egypt. And Jacob and his family need food, and they come to Egypt for food. And not only in that moment does God save Israel from starvation, but he reunites father and son. Moses and Israel is another example that Israel is in there in slavery, and God calls this guy by, by the name of Moses out to come and deliver his people. It's 400 years of slavery and Moses comes and, and it seems like it's a hopeless task because Pharaoh keeps on hardening his heart and he won't let them go. And finally, and finally, he relents. Only to have his mind changed again and Israel finds themselves trapped at the Red Sea. And God parts the Red Sea and allows Israel to escape from Pharaoh. The book of Judges is filled with this. Israel sins and they get oppressed and they cry out to God and God comes and rescues them. We see this with David and Goliath, right? David comes to, to bring provisions to his brother. And here he finds the, 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 the army of Israel in panic and fear because of this giant warrior. And David says, I'll go fight him. I'll go defeat him. And God comes through. The story of the prophets, what the prophets are declaring is, God will come through. God will come through. Hang on there. God will bring his victory. See, we talk about catastrophe. Catastrophe is when a tragedy comes out of what seems to be a great event or a great happening. And tragedy strikes when you least expect it. That's a catastrophe. J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings, believed that there is something that's the opposite of catastrophe. There's a eucatastrophe. When, when joy, when hope springs out of what seems to be sure defeat, sure tragedy, sure uh, 
darkness. And he writes that into his books, into his story, where time and time again, you find the heroes pressed down, hard on their luck, like they're not going to survive this. And in the last possible moment, they are delivered. They find the victory. And so as God's people, and we reflect back on, on his people, and we reflect back on our lives, what we realize is that there are many times when we experience that darkness, when we experience the hopelessness, like where is God in this? And, and there, there is a, a type of, of literature in the Bible called laments, that express this, where God's people cry out to God, God, where are you? It's dark here. I cannot go on. I will not survive without your help. That is darkness. That's a common experience for God's people, for those who follow Jesus, those who are faithful. And that's where we find the disciples on that Sunday morning. They were without hope. Tragedy seemed to have struck. They were experiencing a catastrophe. That was their, that was their experience. They saw Jesus, the one that they had put their faith in, the one that they had put their trust in. Remember, just a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the disciples, led by Peter, had declared that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That is their hope. That is their expectation. And now Jesus had died. And that time from Friday evening all day Saturday and into Sunday, they are without hope. It looks dark. It looks hopeless. What are they to do? See, in their minds, it appeared that the crucifixion, that the death of Jesus truly and finally answered the question, who was Jesus? And that answer was, he was not the Messiah. A dead Messiah, a crucified Messiah, is no Messiah. That was their perspective. That was the framework from which they are operating. I want us, the best that we can, to, to think about that reality, what they are experiencing. When was the last time you experienced a, a, a time of hopelessness, a time of darkness? That was their reality that Sunday morning and really the most of that day. And so there had been reports of the women who had gone to the tomb and found it empty. Peter and John came back and, and said, yeah, it's empty. But they still didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, Mary Magdalene had claimed to see him, but where's the proof? Where's the proof that Jesus was really alive? See, in their minds, even with this news, they were still living in a sense of hopelessness. 
So when we find ourselves on this road of hopelessness, there are three stops that we need to take in order to be encouraged, in order to find hope again. And the first is that acknowledgement of being discouraged, of discouragement. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 24. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 24. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and talked and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. But Jesus, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers hoped that or had handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. But him they did not see. Do you hear the discouragement in the voice of Cleopas? Hey, we had hoped that this man, who seemed so powerful in word and deed, he was a wonderful teacher, he was a prophet, he could do wonderful things by the power of God. We had hoped he was the one. He would be the one to rescue us to give us our freedom back. But instead, he was handed over and he was crucified. And we don't know what to make of these reports. We just don't know. What we see here is that discouragement often comes into our lives when our lives fail to live up to reality, to our expectations, when reality doesn't meet our expectations. They had a certain expectation about who the Messiah would be, what he would do, and their perception and their understanding. The Messiah wasn't supposed to go through suffering. He wasn't supposed to be arrested. He wasn't supposed to die on a cross as a rebel, as a revolutionary. That wasn't what was supposed to happen. He was to be victorious. And so right now, in their minds, all signs point to Jesus being someone other than the Messiah. Have you experienced discouragement? How has reality failed to live up to your expectations? Maybe it was a failed relationship. Like you had so much hope in this relationship and it just crumbled beneath you. Maybe you had a certain plan for your life. Like 
uh, I do this, I do this, I do this, and I do this. And then along the way, one of those steps falls away and you find yourself having to rethink your life, having to rethink your goals, having to rethink who you are. Maybe, maybe it's, it's the death of someone you hold dear. And though you know death is a reality, just didn't expect it would happen so soon or at this time. And you're discouraged and you're without hope. That is where God's people, those who followed Jesus, that's where they were before the resurrection. They were on this path of discouragement. And so the next stop, on the journey towards hope is teaching. Luke chapter 24, verses 24 through 27. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had, have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus, hearing their discouragement, hearing their bewilderment, hearing their lack of understanding, says, hey, you guys have been with me. You guys should know this. Don't you understand? What? should have happened, what the prophets, what the scriptures actually said. And so he takes the time and he refers them back to the Old Testament, to the law, to the prophets, to these predictions of the Messiah. And he says, hey, see, see, this is what was supposed to happen. It's falling into place. It's falling just the way that God had planned it out. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be hopeless. This is the way it's supposed to be. Your expectations are wrong. So change your expectations. Change your expectations. Change them to meet reality. See, we need that teaching. We need that truth in our lives to have a proper understanding of what is taking place in this world. Without it, we are going to be discouraged. We're going to find our expectations don't meet reality. And we're going to come up with alternative explanations for them. But Jesus is saying here, no, the explanation, the truth that you need is in the scripture. Go back to the scripture. See what God has already revealed to you there and then apply it as you move forward. Apply it to your understanding right now. That's what we need to do. We need to have that firm foundation of God's truth. And when God's truth comes into our lives, we need to then adjust our expectations, our understandings to align with God's truth. We are not to fix, we are not to alter God's truth to align to our understanding. That's misapplying God's word. Now we are to rethink uh, our beliefs so they align with what we discover 
in God's word. The third and final stop on the road to encouragement is encounter. It's encountering Jesus. Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 34. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together saying, It is true, the Lord has arisen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. God had kept these two disciples from recognizing who Jesus was. They hadn't recognized him. They talked with him. They, they heard his teaching. They heard his voice, but they didn't recognize who they were. The only clue that they had was this burning sensation in their heart, this, this Holy Spirit working within them, letting them understand what the truth was, giving them that understanding. And then when they came time to eat and Jesus broke that bread as he gave thanks, they recognized their eyes were open. That's Jesus. Jesus really is alive. He has been resurrected and it changed their understanding. They were able to look back on what he said. They were able to look back at how they were feeling. Hey, weren't our hearts burning? And understand, yes, it was Jesus all along. See, for us to truly have hope, for us to be able to get through the darkness, the hopelessness, the discouragement of this life, we need an encounter, a real encounter with Jesus. And that encounter happens as we look at his word, as we study it, and as we have community, community with one another. See, true, true, a true encounter with Jesus happens within the community of his believers because we are the hands and feet of him to one another. That's why community, fellowship, is so crucial in discipleship. We are able to show Jesus' love with other people. God uses us for people to encounter him, to encounter Jesus. And so we need to make a priority of being together of building relationships with one another, because that is what it takes. Encountering Jesus moves the truth from our hearts, from our head to our hearts. We may understand the truth, but actually encountering Jesus moves it from just head knowledge to being able to apply to the way that we live. So as we move here to this time of response, of prayer response, what are we going to do? What's the next step here? Let's 
take a moment and thank God for the resurrection, right? That's the central truth of this all. This is what the whole story is leading up to, the resurrection of Jesus. So let's thank God for the resurrection. Let's ask God for his perspective on the world. Let's not let our discouragement be the lens through which we see the world. No, let God's perspective, get, let, ask God for his eyes to see the world clearly. Let's ask God to give us an encounter with Jesus. Let's ask God to give us an encounter with Jesus. Our Father in heaven, we love you and we want to thank you for the resurrection. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we are without hope. This world is without hope. We are stuck in the corruption of the old creation. So we thank you for the new creation that started with Jesus, with his resurrection. And we look forward to the day when we too will participate in the resurrection. When we will receive those glorious bodies that you have for us. God, we ask that you will give us a proper perspective for tonight. For a proper perspective for this world, for what is going on. May we see things clearly. May we not get hung up by the things of this world. May we not get distracted by what is going on or the feelings that we have. May we see things clearly through your truth, through your eyes. And Father, we want to ask that you would give us an encounter with Jesus, a life changing encounter with Jesus, where our heart burns, when we are able to move the truth that we know up here in our heads down to our hearts so that we can truly demonstrate your character in this world. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Our big idea this morning is this. God's people find hope in the resurrection of Jesus. God's people find hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. He was resurrected. And that changes everything. The world is vastly different because Jesus came back to life. And that is where our hope is. Because, because, because Jesus was resurrected, we know that God is going to finish what he started. And new creation has begun. And we are a part of it. Our challenge then is to bring our, to God our discouragement, our doubt, our disillusionment, and ask him for his perspective on things. Ask him to give us his truth that we may live with hope. May we live with hope, demonstrating his character in this world. Remember, the Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and it's really all about this moment of resurrection. Because in the resurrection, God is saying, I am doing a brand new thing. 
The old creation that's been corrupted by sin, by Satan, by death is going away and a brand new creation is coming. And everything will be made right because of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you for, for participating this morning. Thank you for being part of Bethlehem. Remember, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Give me a call. Send me a text. Send me an email. I want to connect with you. I want to help you. I want to pray for you as much as I can. Have a wonderful week, and we'll catch you later. God bless. Hi, Bethlehem. Uh, as we close up our service this morning, I want to just give you uh, two reasons why we can be confident that the resurrection of Jesus happened. Right? If this is the central truth of Christianity, if our faith depends on the resurrection of Jesus, then we need to be confident that it happened, that it's not just a story that we find in the Bible, that it's true. And so a couple of my favorite pieces of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is, is one, is that history tells us that on either side of Jesus, there are about a dozen men who claim to be the Messiah or were given that title of Christ. And what happened with each one of those men when they died is that their movement either ended or it continued on for a short time uh, with a relative or a close relative, usually a brother, carrying on that mantle. But it, they usually didn't last long. They died out. The one exception is Jesus. In Jesus, we see that his movement continued on. In fact, it grew. And his disciples said this startling thing, where most, as we talked about earlier, where a dead Messiah is no Messiah. Rather, they, they said this startling thing like, Jesus, who you crucified, is Lord. They recognized his crucifixion, and yet they continued to claim that he was Lord. And the only explanation for that is that they had encountered the resurrected Jesus. And the second piece of evidence that, that I think is, is powerful is that uh, some of the key uh, Jewish social structures began to change. Remember, the first disciples were all Jewish. That was their foundation. That was their background. So one of the, one of the keys that, that changed was that their day of worship, their main day of focus, moved from Saturday or the Sabbath day to the first day of the week, Sunday, because they were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Now, they continued to observe the Sabbath day, but their big day was Sunday, was when they could celebrate the resurrection. They started to do away with the food laws. They brought this, this distinction between Jew and Gentiles began to go away. Even more startling is here are these monotheistic Jews and they are declaring that this man is God that he is the true Lord of the world, the Lord of the universe. That's an amazing thing. And again, the only explanation for that is that they had an encounter with the risen Jesus, with the resurrected Lord. And that changed their perspective. So we can be confident 
even 2,000 years later, that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Thank you. Thank you for turning into our Easter service. Have a wonderful week and God bless.